Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Good morning, and uh, I just want to say how much we're grateful that you are here, and we're grateful for this series because as much as we love what we do here at LifePoint, each and every week, we're just so excited that you all create so many things that happen inside our walls, with children's ministry, with student ministry that's going on right now. So many of you lead groups, so many of you host out front and welcome guests, so many of you are involved in care ministry, and lives are being changed, and we have a place to bring friends because of you. But what we're doing in this series is not focusing on what happens inside our walls, but what is, could happen outside our walls. We want to show the love of God to our county and to the people around us. And what we're doing is we're partnering with six different organizations. There are many more that we support, but we're highlighting these six over this month because we want you to know how important it is, we believe and you believe, to really partner with organizations that are serving the least of these, that are serving the vulnerable. And we're going to talk about some of these organizations like um, that serve the homeless, that serve orphans, that serve poor, that serve uh, expectant parents, and so on. And so it's a great opportunity for us to make a difference outside these walls. And I'm so excited because last Sunday, if you weren't here for part one, after the service, we asked people to consider giving a one-time gift And after the service, out in the lobby, there were lines of people who were patiently waiting to give away their money because they wanted to show the love of God outside the walls. Aren't you grateful to just be part of a church that's so generous? Yeah. And has a heart for people. I mean, it was shoulder to shoulder. And I'm going to tell you, let's just keep that going. Because one of the things a lot of people have asked is, with the overwhelming response of last week, so what's an update? So I want to give that to you but just not today, all right? It's exciting, I wanna tell you this, we're not near done, we have a lot to do. We have a lot to do when it comes to serving all the needs that we have, when it comes to writing the thank you cards to all these great teachers at Razor and with giving, there is so much more to do. But I can tease this out and tell you, you're gonna be really pleased with our church and all that you are doing to really show the love of God outside the walls. Now, having said that, I want to start off today with a story of a birthday party. It's not just any birthday party. This is an extravagant birthday party. In fact, I just thought today is, where's she at? Christine's birthday, who plays our keyboard. Happy birthday, Christine. And as we think about, yeah, as we think about the kind of birthday party we could throw you, here's one that Philip Green threw, who's a billionaire over in uh, England, who's uh, in the fashion industry. He decided to throw himself a birthday party. This was in 2012, and here's what he did. He invited 150 of his favorite friends, and he flew them to one of those destination unknown parties, and they ended up landing at a a private resort on a Mexico beach. And here are some of the celebrities that joined him for his party. Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Moss, Naomi Campbell, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Simon Cowell. They ended up having a six-figure fireworks display. They had a three-story nightclub that they built just for the four-day event, this party. Meanwhile, they had armed uh, guards who were patrolling the beach on jet skis. It was the party, right? It was a party. Here are the performances of the people who sang as concerts at the event. There was Rihanna, Stevie Wonder, Bruno Mars, Robbie Williams, CeeLo Green, and George Michael. They actually fitted customized outfits for all the guests 
um, so that they could do some of the themed events. PG will appreciate this one. One of them was Hawaiian shirts that were built, that were made for a beach barbecue where the actual Beach Boys sang. And I don't know about you, but as we look at this, as we look at this uh, guest list, I don't see PG, our founding pastor, on it, but you know anytime customized Hawaiian shirts, like he's there, right? You're all in. You wish you would have been there. Maybe you were. Maybe you were there. The thing is, I look at that event. I don't know how you feel about an event like that. Christine, we can't do that for you, Christine, but I, Christine, I would like to. But the thing is, when you look at this kind of a party, do you think somebody who would do this kind of a party, who would host this kind of a party, do you think of them as being generous? Or do you think of them as being greedy? In other words, they were, he was generous to some other friends, right, who, who were able to come and attend this kind of a party without having any expense to them. Um, the truth is they had a blast. I mean, like they were just enjoying life. Granted, they weren't meeting any needs, but they were able to have some fun. And if I'm honest, I wish I would have been invited to that party. Like it sounds like a lot of fun, right? Like the, these people were really enjoying life and having a good time. However, I'm not the only one who wishes they had been invited to the party. There's a more important group of people who weren't invited to the party because that very same week of the party, 10,000 miles away, his employees were stitching garments in Sri Lanka for 64 cents an hour. You see, most of us have, don't have a problem with the billionaire throwing extravagant party. Knock yourself out. Where we do feel the angst is when a billionaire is throwing a party on the backs of people who are making 64 cents an hour because there's something deeper that bothers us here, and that is we see people who have more than they need and it bothers us when they think it's all for them. And so today we're going to talk about that. Was it greed? What is greed? Well, here's a simple definition to kind of get us going today. Greed is the assumption that everything placed in my hands is all for me. Now, we looked last week, and we started off this whole series by making a bold statement of truth. And you may remember it. I just looked at you all, and I said these two words. You're rich. You're rich. You don't feel rich, you don't call yourself rich, none of us do, but remember some of these stats we looked at last week? When you consider that most people work five days a week around here, but they have seven days worth of food and shelter, unlike most, much of the world. Doesn't mean that you're rich, but that proves that you're not poor. In the same way, we realize that nearly half of the world lives on less than $5.50 a day. $5.50 a day. I mean, we've got lights that can do all kinds of tricks. That's how rich we are, <laughs> right? And we'll just keep it going. We, we, we're just going to show it off. Not only that, but thirdly, you know you're rich because if you have an income of $38,000, you are in the richest 3% of the global income earner if you make $38,000 or more a year. So congratulations, you're rich. I, we said this last week, and somebody said, and we asked to look at your neighbor and tell them, congratulations, you're rich. And they say, well, you should have said, congratulations, you're rich, now give me a loan, because I could have used a little bit of the money. And I'm like, I get it. And remember that we're, one of the disclaimers that we have with this is we're not trying to invite you to embrace guilt. It's not your fault that you were born in one of the richest counties and one of the richest nations and one of the richest times in history. Instead, embrace it with gratitude to say, God, okay, you have given me something and I bet it's for a purpose, and with that gratitude comes some responsibility, but to embrace what the goodness of God has allowed us to experience 
and then look around and keep perspective on what it's like to live in our world in these days. And so here's the question I want us to wrestle with today. What do you do when you have more than you need? And you go, I'm nothing like Philip Green. I'm not throwing like these three-story nightclubs for a four-day event. I'm not that extravagant, and certainly we aren't. But I think most of us would acknowledge that we have more than most. And so the question is still the same. What do you do when you have more than you need? And you might be thinking, oh, Mark, I don't have more than I need. Like, I'm, I'm barely hitting my mortgage. I'm ba- electric bills are going up, like with inflation. Like, I am barely getting by. It's just my money and my bills are pretty much the same. Sometimes they're even in the red. Like, I don't have more than I need. I have not enough, right? Like, you may feel that way as we look around us. But when we pull our head higher and look globally, we are reminded, oh, Most of us didn't walk into this room wondering if we would be able to eat a meal today. Most of us will leave this place today and we will look at the other person in the car and say, where do you want to go eat? And they'll go, I don't know. Where do you want to go? It doesn't matter to me. And that's going to be our big stress is where are we? We have so many options, right? And that's the normal conversation that most of us will have. It's very different. Both are problems, but they're very different problems, aren't they? Most of us have more than we need. So last week we looked at what the Apostle Paul said in the first century about this situation. And today we're going to hear from the words of Jesus himself. When he addresses this very thing, what do you do when you have more than you need? And so I want you to see this story as Jesus addresses this very important issue. Because I think it couldn't be more relevant to those of us who live in Collin County in 2022. So if you've got your Bibles, would you look at with me at the story that Jesus tells where he answers this question once and for all. It's found in the book of Luke. It's the fourth book in the Gospels in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, there's one there in the seat near you. You can turn to page 845, and that's where we're going to look at the story today. There's this really well-known parable. Remember, a parable is a made-up story with an important point, an important principle. And this is, of all the parables, this is one of the more well-known. However, it's only recorded in the book of Luke. It's the parable of the rich man. And we're going to look at this parable and understand that it began when some followers of Jesus were arguing over who's greedy, me or you. Like these people are arguing, and Jesus kind of interrupts and goes, you know what, let me just address that issue right now. And he gives us the story. So I think it's real timely, and it's very clear as Jesus speaks about this issue. So if you look with me at Luke chapter 12, and we'll begin in verse 16, we pick up this incredible parable and it says and he told them Jesus told them this parable the story with an important principle at the end he said the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest in other words somebody had a windfall of money unexpected more than they expected they received money. It sounds a lot like many people around us, our neighbors, our co-workers, people who live amongst us, who have some resources. They have an abundant harvest. And Jesus is making the point here that when you have a sudden windfall, you come to that question, what do I do when I have more than I need? And so look at verse 17. He continues the story. And the guy who had the windfall, he thought to himself, well, what shall I do? I love this. I have no place to store my crops. In other words, I didn't expect to have this much. 
I have more than I expected. I have more than I need. What should I do? There's a little angst there. What should I do? And isn't it the fun game that we all like to play? Like, what would I do if I had a windfall of money, right? That's kind of fun to do. Like, I don't know if you noticed that this past week somebody won the lottery for over $2 billion. Did you catch that? Anybody play? You don't have to raise your hand, but I mean, it's totally cool if you played. As long as you tithe, knock yourself out. So if you have a $2 billion windfall, what would you do? What's the, and I know that you're going to say, oh, I would give it all away, and I love that about you, but what's the one fun thing that you would want to buy if you had that kind of unlimited windfall of money. So we were just kind of talking about that as a staff this week, like what would you do? And, and it was like, well, I would buy a yacht, I would travel the world, I'd buy a jet plane, I would travel the world, I would buy me, I would want to buy a sports franchise. Like, you know, it'd just be fun just to kind of do something crazy like that because it's an unlimited amount of money. Like, what would you do? Would you buy uh, like a really cool car? Would you buy a, a large piece of land? What would you, what's the one fun thing you would do if you had that kind of a windfall? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to share that. Ask the person beside you, what's the one fun purchase you would make if you had an unlimited financial windfall? Just take a few seconds and ask the person beside you what they would do. And those of you who are online, if you'd go ahead and just put in the comments, let us know what you would do if you had some extra money and you could buy anything you want. Uh, let's just share that with us today in the comments. All right, so one thing. Some of you are talking about more than one thing. One thing that you could buy that would be fun if you had a financial windfall. So let's just have a little fun. Would you share it with me right over here in this far section? What's the one thing that was shared with you that, you would, that somebody would buy? A farm with chickens? Nice. That sounds fun. Yeah, you'd be able to eat for a long time, right? You'd be kind of like, oh, you're not going to eat them. You'll eat them. <laughs> Have it right here. What would you do if you had unlimited one fun thing you'd buy? A what? An island. Wow. That's a big buy. I like that. That sounds fun. All right. How about right here? What would you buy? One thing. Property? Can't make more property. It's always a good thing to buy. Right here. What would you buy? A lake house for all my friends. What did you say? Trouble? Oh, travel. Yeah. Travel. If you get a lot of money, the truth is with family, there's going to be trouble, right? Yeah. How about right here? What would you buy? One, one thing. One fun thing. What did you say? Uh, wow. Very specific, Denise. A condo in Destin. Do you already have the condo picked out? Oh, you could find one. Wow. I love that ingenuity. All right. Right here. Last but not least, what would you buy? One fun thing. A house in Sarasota. We're all going to Florida. You'll be neighbors. Well, very good. Well, at least we know what we're going to do with it. Well, now let's see what this guy did with it. Of all the things he could have done, and I bet none of these things, maybe the chickens, that might have been the only thing on his list, what would he have done with this money? Now, here's the thing. As we look at it, we're going to see he decides not to spend any of it. Instead, <laughs> why? Instead, he's going to save it all. And all of us think, well, that's kind of a boring story. Or we think that's a really wise man. God thinks something completely different, and we'll see why. Look at verse 18. Instead of spending it all, the man said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my little barns, and I'll build bigger ones. 
And there I will store my surplus. I have more than I need. I will store my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself, I have plenty of grain. Then he'll be able to rest at night. He'll have peace. I'll have it laid up for many years. So he's looking down into the future. He's trying to really be wise about his future. He's thinking of his retirement, right? Where he will take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And if you stop the story there, it would be tempting to think, oh, Jesus is teaching these folks about savings and the importance of diversifying your portfolio. No wonder. Jesus is so wise and smart, and he's making sure that you're prepared for the future and that you put money aside. It's sort of like if you get a pay raise, you do the wise thing. You pay off your debt. You put money into savings, and you max out your retirement. This is clearly what Jesus Jesus is saying and we see the story move on and we all kind of we just kind of we just kind of feel a little more peaceful because this guy's doing the wise thing he's doing the reasonable and smart thing right and we expect at this point for the story to end like this and he lived happily ever after the end right like that's going to be the story and it's a great story let's be dismissed and let's be done but this is where the story takes a dark turn. And instead, the, the God that you and I serve calls this man a fool. Why? Well, look at verse 20. But God said to him, You fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? All the savings that you've done? Who's going to get it? This, and this is an important point, this, this story, is how it will be, Jesus says, for whoever stores up things for, say this word with me, themselves. When we store up things for ourselves, but, in other words, it's okay to store as long as you don't forget the last part. This is how it will be for someone who stores up for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And again, we don't feel comfortable with that word rich, but Paul used it a lot last week, didn't he? And now Jesus is using the word. And yet we feel uncomfortable with it. Nobody thinks they're rich, and Jesus keeps talking as if we're all rich and how we can be rich toward God. Wow, this story took a surprise twist, didn't it? it is, all of a sudden, the hero becomes the villain. The, the one who seems like life is just beginning suddenly dies. And I bet it really got the attention of that first century audience. Just kind of kind of disturbs us. It disturbed them. So what's Jesus teaching? He's not telling us we're going to die after we get a raise or we're going to die if we try to save money. What is he then teaching us? And I think it's important to note that last sentence that he's reminding us in one, one moment, in one night, all this man's achievements meant nothing and they were gone. In one night. He could control his business, he could control his building, he could control everything around him while he was alive, but once he was gone, he had control of nothing. And all his accomplishments instantly were gone. God calls the man a fool, not because he's rich, but because he didn't live his life 
with eternity in mind. He didn't live his life remembering that his life was temporary and that there is more to this life than this life. And it's that perspective why Jesus calls this man a fool. There are a lot of, because of this parable being so well known, there are a lot of artists who have painted this throughout the centuries. In fact, Rembrandt has a painting of the rich man. But one of my favorites is James Tussaud, who painted this picture more than 100 years ago of this very parable, and it's called The Man Who Hoards. And if you look at this picture, you can see that he's surrounded with his riches, almost as if they're overwhelming him, and you see on his face almost an anxiety of what do I do with all that I have been given? And I don't know about you, when I was younger, I used to think if I had more money, I'd have less, I'd have less stress, I'd have less worries. And yet the more we see that is rarely the case. And in this picture, he really captures, but the thing that's most startling is how well James Tussauds captures that this man is surrounded by his riches and is completely oblivious to the, the reality that death lurks behind him as he's just looking at is what is immediately in front of him and this is why Jesus says only a fool would live their life without an awareness of eternity you say well Mark that's kind of a downer I bet that's how the people who heard the story from Jesus felt Jesus, why are you telling us the story? We thought the guy who's saving money would be the hero, and now all of a sudden, like, we're not sure where you're going with this, and what is the point of this parable? And I believe the parable just reminds us that God isn't pleased when I think everything that I have belongs to me. And yet, everything in our culture pushes us toward that thinking, doesn't it? This is the way our culture thinks, and maybe this is the way that you tend to think, because I think this is the way most of us tend to think, and that is to begin to think that when I have more than I need, I still think it's all for me. The question is, do I spend it all, or do I save it all, or do I do a combination of both? Either way, it's all for me. And Jesus is introducing a fundamentally different way to think, that at this it would have been such a paradigm shift, and he teaches this through this parable, and I believe this is the bottom line. When I have more than I need, I must remember it's not all for me. It's all from him. It was all to me. It's just not all for me. And this is a very different way to think. See, the rich man, he just couldn't buy it. He said, nope, these are my crops. This is my barn. This is my goods. This is even my soul. He was just like, I'm seeing it all right here, right now. It's mine, mine, mine. And it was just a few hundred years later in the fourth century when it was Augustine, a theologian, who has this great quote about this very parable that's been impacting humanity for the last 2,000 years. Augustine said about this rich man, he calls him the farmer, he said he was planning to fill his soul with excessive and unnecessary feasting. And he was proudly disregarding all those empty bellies of the poor. He did not realize that the bellies of the poor were a much safer storeroom than his barns. Well, there's a great way to live my life. That is the greatest investment with my money is to invest in other people who are in need. But this guy died no crops, no barns, no goods, no legacy. 
and someday that will be our story. We will die, and everything that we accomplish goes away, and it no longer makes an impact. And this one life is our only opportunity to use what we've been given for the benefit of others and to make an impact in other human beings that God so deeply loves around us. So how do we combine what Jesus is teaching here and what Paul told us to do last week? Because in this parable, he said the problem wasn't that he was rich, but that he didn't, he wasn't rich toward God. How can we be rich toward God? Well, Paul answered that last week in our memory verse. And this is the verse that we're looking at each week just to remind us. This is a great verse to put toward memory that helps us relate to money. And when it comes to living in 2022, and it's 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18, and I'm going to say it once, and I want to ask you if you would just say it out loud with me. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. 1 Timothy 6, 18. There's the two ways in which we are rich toward God. Would you say those out loud with me? Say that verse with me. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. 1 Timothy 6, 18. See, most of us don't think of ourselves as greedy. Most of us think of ourselves as generous because most of us have a memory of having been generous at some point or some points in our life. You might even be thinking of something right now. I remember when I gave... Uh, words of encouragement to somebody. Or I remember when I gave a panhandler some money. I remember whenever I bought those Girl Scout cookies from that, those people at Kroger who are complete strangers. We all remember moments when we were generous, and because of that, we may give ourselves credit for being generous. The problem is generosity and rich are both such ambiguous terms that are not clearly defined, and so we give ourselves, like, nobody thinks they're rich, and everybody thinks they're generous. The question is, are you regularly practicing generosity? Is that a regular practice in your life? And that's what this month is about. It's not about us. It's about partnering with six organizations in our uh, local community who are making a difference amongst the vulnerable and amongst the needy. It's an opportunity for us to collectively be extremely generous to the people around us. And the question is, as people of God, as people who are trying to follow God, are you regularly practicing generosity? See, most of us are in one of two camps when it comes to generosity. We were either raised in a home that practiced generosity, and so we have sort of known how to do it. We, we, we always made it you know, high on the list of things to do as a kid, as a teenager, and as a young adult, and so forth. We just kind of have always had it as part of our life. But then some of us weren't raised in homes that did that or we've gotten away from it and all of a sudden it's hard to get back. But all of us want to be generous. It's figuring out how can I be generous. And so if you're in that place where you're like, I want to get back to being generous. I want to begin to be generous. But how do I do that? The simplest way, and this is at the risk of oversimplifying it, I think you can be generous in one word and that is prioritize. You have to prioritize it. Most of us are paying our mortgage and we're paying our Wi-Fi. Like we're paying for Netflix. We're paying those things, right? And we know if we don't, what happens? There are consequences. And so what happens is these other sort of categories that we believe we want to do fall lower on the priority list. But when they get higher on the priority list and we schedule them and we pay them first, guess what? We suddenly regularly practice generosity. And it's beginning to start somewhere 
and do something on a regular basis and make generosity a priority. And those of you who do it already know it. You're nodding because you felt it. You felt the freedom of generosity and the way it lightens your heart and lets go of stuff in your own internal world where you just feel a lightness that you didn't feel before. You know the gift of generosity to prioritize it and to begin to share. See, none of us want to be greedy. Nobody has that as a desire. Nobody has that as an aspiration. Greedy, well, it's just a simple assumption that, well, everything placed in my hands, well, it's all for me. But then the question comes, because most of us would be honest and say, well, what do we do when we have more than you need? And what Jesus reminds us in this parable is simply to remember, when I have more than I need, I remember it's not all for me. And I make generosity a regular practice in my life. Well, if you don't have it, I hope you do have it. On your way in, you were given uh, that handout. I want us to look at it again this week. Would you just pull that out and look at it with me? Because in that handout, we have six different local nonprofit organizations right here in this area who are experts in serving the least of these. And again, as I said last week, yes, we could do some of these things as a church, but these people are doing it so well. They are experts at serving the homeless, at serving uh, expected parents, at serving the, the orphans, at serving the poor. And, and we just get to partner with these uh, faith-based organizations and uh, allow them to do what they do really, really well. And you'll notice across uh, that, that handout that if you go across the top, those top two and the one on the back, those top three organizations are organizations that have opportunities for us to serve. And can I just tell you, this is time. When Paul says that we are to do good deeds and to be generous, it's the good deeds that I would guess that here in Collin County we have the hardest time with because to chip in a little money is a little easier sometimes than it is to chip in a little bit of time, which is our most valuable resource. But here we have three organizations that are inviting us to come and serve with them. And you can just, I would just encourage you to consider selecting one of those, maybe as a family or maybe with a friend, and to show up and say, I am going to do what Paul says. I'm going to do some good deeds here. So that I remember all this time is not for me. At the bottom, we have three organizations as well, two in the middle or two in the front, and, and, and then one in the back. And these three organizations are ones that we can financially give to. Remember we shared last week, what we've done is we've gone to all these organizations and we've asked them, what is it that you need? And they've shared a list of things that they need. And so we've compiled a master list of all the things these three organizations need. And we've just say, hey, as a church, if we give, we could clear the list and we could actually knock out and meet every one of these needs. Why? So these organizations can focus on what they do best and conserve the homeless, conserve the orphans, conserve the expected parents, conserve the poor. We want to free them to do what God is clearly gifting them to do. And, and these aren't just random organizations. Sean has gone and vetted every one of these organizations, interviewed them. We're excited about what God is doing through them, and we want to partner with them. We want to let them know that we are glad that they're here. We want to let them know that we are for them, and we want to let them know we want to partner with them financially, but also with our time, and we want to see God's love spread to and throughout Collin County as we are generous outside of these walls and so here are three ways that you can take a step even today number one to give we talk about clear the list to give a one-time $20 gift and everything that comes in if you give more every dollar that comes in 
will go to these organizations, to Shiloh Place to Embrace, which is the adoptive agency, and Razor Elementary, which is the school down the street that serves underprivileged children. And the reality is, there are so many needs. There are so many needs. So maybe you would be willing to give. If you'd like to do that, there's actually a donation station out in the lobby after the service. You can go and thank you for what you're doing, LifePoint. Secondly, you can write. A word of encouragement sometimes goes so far. The Proverbs talks about how the heart is filled with words that encourage. James in the New Testament talks about how building up is one of the ways we build up the heart through words. And to let some teachers know that you might not even know there's between 65 and 70 staff and teachers there at Razor that we're for them. We're grateful that they're serving these underprivileged students and they're pouring into the next generation. We just want to give them these holiday season a word of encouragement, a word of thanks. And we're going to put a gift card in there for them as well. Would you just take a minute after the service? Over here there are pens and cards. And would you just write these great teachers a word of thanks? And then finally, to serve. We have several in-person opportunities where we can do good deeds. And I want to highlight one because one is this Saturday. This Saturday, the organization Our Calling, which serves the homeless right here in our community, are having an, organi an organized opportunity for us to serve. And it's very organized. It's a small step that you can take that will make a big difference. And what we're hoping for is there will be about 20 or 25 people from our church who will say, you know what, I'm going to do a good deed and I'm going to show up and I'm going to partner with some people I don't know and I'm going to serve those who are homeless in our community. I'm not going to talk about what kind of an issue it is and how we can solve it with the government or shouldn't solve it or, or should do a better job. I'm just going to show up and I'm going to serve and I'm going to show the love of God to people who might not have what I have. So if you want to do that, you can actually go in that handout. There's a URL right on the front of that page, and you can click it, or you can click that QR code on the back of the pew in front of you, and you can see opportunities to actually register for that event this Saturday or the other two events that are coming up, uh, one with um, Real Options, and then there's another uh, organized day with Children's Hunger Fund that's coming up as well. Great opportunities, church, for us to give, to write, or to serve just so that we can show the love of God with Collin County. And we're doing it. We have a great start last week, but let's keep it going. Wherever you took a step last week, maybe you'll consider taking a different step in a different area today, but let's show the love of God and let's let these people know how grateful we are that they're here and they are making a difference. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for all that you have given us and instead of feeling any guilt, God, I pray today that we would feel gratitude. Great things flow out of gratitude. But we would accept the responsibility that comes with what we've been given, and we would resist the temptation to think that it's all for us. And just take a step today toward your heart, toward being rich toward you. Thank you for these partners here in our community. Bless them, we pray. Bless them through us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.